Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. Well, again, we're so glad that you're here today. Last week, we kicked off a new sermon series called Missio Day. And I just want to say thank you on behalf of our, myself and our entire pastoral team for how well you honored us during Pastor Appreciation Month. I tell you what, we felt so, so blessed. And so thank you. Let's give yourselves a hand this morning. So grateful for each and every single one of you. Friday night was experience night. If you missed it, you missed it. I'm telling you, it was amazing. Make sure not to miss the next one. Well, again, last week we kicked off a new sermon series called Missio Day, and this is leading up to our Kingdom Builders Miracle Offering Sunday in a couple of weeks. Missio Day is the Latin term for mission of God. And last week we talked about how God has been on mission from the beginning and that he's the main character and the hero of the mission of God. And he extends an invitation for us to be on mission with him. How humbling and how exciting that he would extend an invitation for us to be on mission with him. If you missed last week, I would encourage you to go online to crosspointwaverly.com, find us on Facebook or YouTube, or take a listen on Spotify. There are some incredible things that people are doing around the world. There are churches and nonprofits that are meeting the tangible and spiritual needs of people. There are philanthropists that are working together to make the world a better place. There are non-Christians who lead nonprofits who dig wells in impoverished villages. They rescue captives of sex trafficking. They feed the hungry. They treat the diseased. These are noble gestures, and God calls us to do these things. What I love about the mission of God is that we can extend compassion and meet the tangible needs of groups of people, but we don't stop there. We can introduce them to a God who loves them and who can change their spiritual condition. It doesn't matter, or it doesn't have to be an either or for us. It can be a both and. And if there's a values-based decision on these two, I would say that the advancement of the gospel wins every time. What a tragedy and what a shame it would be for us to offer only physical help to people, temporary relief, and neglect to offer eternal and lasting change. Last week, we talked about how the local church is God's plan A to fulfill the mission of God. I closed the sermon by talking about how we get to demonstrate the mission of God and proclaim the mission of God. This is where I want to pick up today, talking about how we proclaim the mission of God. For all of us who have confessed Jesus as our Lord, it means the mission of God has worked in our lives. It's been demonstrated in our lives. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He drew us to him. He opened the eyes of our understanding to know and be known by him. He drew us to him and we confessed him as our Lord and Savior and confessed our sins to him. He rescued us off of a path of destruction, out of the pit of despair. He has set our feet on solid ground. We sing the song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. The mission of God is demonstrated in our lives. God came to us. Jesus gave his life so that we could have forgiveness of sin and restored relationship with the Father. 
God's desire is that everyone would become his kids. There's no limit to the number of kids that God can adopt. There's, he has unlimited resource. Our lives get to demonstrate that the gospel works. In addition, with our mouths, we get to proclaim that the gospel works. When we're excited about a movie, an entertaining event, a delicious meal, a fantastic sale at a favorite store, or you purchase a new car, you naturally want to invite everybody in on that experience to celebrate with you. And here's what I want to say this morning. If the gospel works, if we truly love God, is this the message that's on the tip of our tongue everywhere we go and with everyone that we come in contact with? I would think for a large number of us that sharing our faith is not something that's done on a regular basis. I wanna take a look at a funny video this morning that just telling you up front that it's a joke at the beginning and then it becomes serious at the end in case some of you are confused. So here you go, let's take a look together. Evangelism is not for the weak. All right, I should know. I wrote a whole book about it, self-published. Most Christians, they are just good for bake sales and potluck dinners. But I'm telling you this right now. It takes a lot of moxie to grab a non-believer by the shirt collar and throw him in the front doors of a church and say, hey, try living out your heathen life in front of a holy God that way. It is like holy water on a vampire. That's divine intervention, my friend. Repent for the kingdom of the Lord is nigh. Come to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, sir, it sounds like you're really passionate about Jesus. I am. Um, and you should also be. Okay. Passionate about the Lord. Sir, if there's... You need to get sanctified or chicken fried. Can we... You need to get with the Lord or drive a Ford. Sir... Get right or get left. I share my faith. Okay, that's a lie. People don't even know I'm a Christian. I want to. Again, another lie. I hardly shower, much less have the will to do anything else. Okay. Now, if there was pizza and ice cream every time there was faith sharing, I'd do it. That's a lie. I'm lactose intolerant. Again, another lie. I'm just too cheap to buy dairy. Bottom line, sharing my faith makes me sweaty. Uh, tip number 95, um, use big church words like transubstantiation. Heathens get confused easily, and the more confused they are, the more shame they are. The more shame they are, the more apt they are to make a decision for Jesus Christ. I believe it's a responsibility, no, the privilege, no, the glorious privilege of every believer to share their faith with others. That's why I share my faith with everyone I come in contact with. Everyone, really? <laughs> yeah, everyone. How do you do that? Uh, check out my shirt. Can't read it? Try this glove. Not working for you? How about this bracelet? No comprendo? Vistazo a estos. <laughs> Driving behind me? Read my bumper sticker. Says, it's okay if you follow close. I'm going to heaven. <laughs> oh, you're my waiter or waitress? I got a tip for you. Surprise! It's the gospel. I mean, what do you want? Money or eternity? <laughs> I also use these tracks. <laughs> so what about talking to people about your faith? I don't really like people, but I love Jesus. <laughs> Scripture mint? Hi, my name is George. And I'm Jorge, and together we're George and Jorge. Right, right. Uh, what we like to do is to take secular songs and reprogram them. Yes, 
the purpose is for evangelism. We like to take songs to the unbelieving world and make it believable. Right, right. Let us give you a sample right now. Hey, lost sinner, I just have to ask you, what makes you tick? What is it? You're headed to H-E-double hockey sticks. Hey, lost sinner, why don't you just give it all up to Jesus? I was a freshman in college the first time I invited someone to church. My best buddy called me. I was working at a grocery store. I was in the back cutting carrots, and my buddy called me. And I just said, hey, do you want to go to church with me tonight? And uh, I remember his words. He said, sure, I got nothing better to do. And I went to church with him. And, you know, I went there because they were serving pizza that night. Um, I don't remember what was said. I don't remember what was sung. During the services, I remember praying for him and just asking God to please reach out and touch his heart or do something because I knew he needed Jesus. And then um, God answered my prayers. That night changed my life, September 17th, 1987. It changed my life because I realized I needed a Savior. We just never know, do we? What an incredible story, testimony, funny at the front end. And, you know, there's a couple of thoughts that stick out from that video is one, the, the one man says, I never invited someone to church until I was a freshman in college. When was the last time that you invited someone to church? And if you haven't, can I encourage you to start today? Right, and look at what this has led to. These, these guys, they're called the skit guys. And our church has watched multiple videos over the years by them. And they're making a kingdom impact. And that started because someone was willing to invite someone to church. As we think about reasons for not sharing our faith regularly or inviting people to church, I would imagine that, that some of those reasons might be insecurity Right, We recognize that we're not perfect, that the people who we're inviting might know, uh, know more about us. And, and so then when they know this about us or that about us and we invite them to come to church or we share the gospel with them, then we're afraid that they'll think we're a hypocrite. Maybe for others, uh, it's ignorance. You're afraid that you'll be asked a question that you don't know the answer to. Maybe yet for others, the reason for not inviting people to church or sharing your faith would be that you don't want to lose influence. Some don't do it because they're afraid they'll lose the influence that they currently have. Maybe for others, the reason for not inviting people to church or not sharing your faith is indifference. Some people really just don't care. I think another reason is because there's so much angst and division in our world. We've been sided against one another in so many different ways. It's us against them. And as a result, there are probably some who are listening to this message this morning that if you were honest with yourself, that you're actually hoping that this group or that group of people will burn in hell. And you say, Pastor, that's a really strong statement. How could you say something like that? Surely there's nobody listening to this message today that would ever believe or say something like that. Well, I hope you're correct. 
But there were a couple of guys in the Bible that were really close to Jesus and known by him who had something similar to say. In Luke chapter nine, James and John are in a village of Samaritans and they're preparing the way for Jesus to come and making preparations for his arrival. And this group of Samaritans was not interested. They were sharing what Jesus was going to offer to them and the Samaritans said, no, thank you. And James and John have this extreme response in Luke chapter nine. These are men who walked with Jesus. These are ministers. And in response to the Samaritans' rejection of Jesus, they asked this question in, in John chapter nine, verse 54, Luke chapter nine, verse 54. They said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? That escalated quickly. They said to the Samaritans, do you wanna come to Jesus? No, then die. That was their response. This is why it's so important for us to read scripture in context because there might be some of you this morning who would read that verse and go, John and James, they, they did this, they felt this way, so it's okay for me to feel this way. And, and that's just, it's not true. As we look at the next verse, Jesus rebuked them. He said, this is not how we're gonna handle things. This is not what it's gonna be like. And after Jesus brought correction, they didn't cancel Jesus. They didn't take their ball and go home. It just says that they went on to the next place and got on about the Lord's business. On the road to the next place, Jesus encounters a few people and, and they say they wanna follow him. And when he lays out the cost to follow him, they, they say the cost is too great. This is where we pick up in Luke chapter 10 this morning. You can turn in your Bibles. It's also going to appear on the screen. Luke chapter 10, verse number one. It says, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter first, say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for your word and for the power that it has to transform our lives. We ask that over the next few moments that we would sense a demonstration of your spirit's power. Would you make your word come alive to us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. There's so much in these 11 verses. Jesus is sending out this crew and he's given them some structure. He's given them some instructions and he's given them some warnings. And the first thing that he did was send them out two by two. There's power in numbers. 
I can't tell you the number of times that I've met with some of you and in addition had one of the other pastoral team members or our staff members in the same room with me. And as we've been able to connect, sometimes I've been able to come up with the right answer to the question that you're asking or a great thought to, to relay back. And sometimes the staff member or the other pastor answers that question more eloquently and more accurately than I could ever dream of answering that question. And it's just so great when there's another person there to be able to bounce off the ideas, their strength and numbers. To think about when we're sharing our faith with others, not that we would gang up against other people, but somebody else will bring a different perspective and, and something else to share. Anytime we have someone with us as we're sharing our faith with others, it's a good thing. The next thing we should consider as we share our faith with others is to pray before we're going into those conversations, right? There's power in prayer. And so we pray before going into those conversations and then silently to ourselves as we're engaging in those conversations, then we're praying to ourselves for, and, and then pray afterwards. Jesus tells them something specific to pray for in Luke chapter 10, verse number two. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And this is something we should still be praying for today. We exist as a church to inspire and equip people to give their whole lives to God, to grow in their relationship with him and go tell the world the good news. The harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And what we're saying is how we're gonna accomplish this mission is we're gonna make disciples and develop ministers who will go into the world and go into his harvest because the harvest is plentiful and we have a responsibility to raise up laborers. Each week we pray for unreached people around the world, those who have zero access to the gospel. The only way that they'll ever hear about Jesus is if somebody from the outside goes and tells them. When we look at these countries and the stats, our response should be to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into his harvest. And the other thing it should do is cause us to reflect and say, God, what should my part be in this? We talk often about the 12,000 people within a 10 mile radius of our church who don't go to church, who don't have hope. We should earnestly be praying to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And in addition to that prayer, we should say, Lord, here am I, send me. We should be praying this prayer, but also be the answer to the prayer. In verse number three, Jesus wasn't playing. He didn't send these 72 out into the posh neighborhoods like, you know, some of you did trick-or-treating this past week. You know, you're like, we're going there. That's where they got the best candy, right? Jesus said, no, you're not going to the place that has the best candy. In fact, where you're going is gonna be pretty dangerous. He says, go your way in verse number three. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsacks, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. He says, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. He set their expectations low. I think of it this way, when uh, Erica and I were dating and the first time that I got to go meet her dad, she told me that he had never been nice to any of the guys that she had ever brought home. I was terrified to go meet her dad. 
And so the first time that we met, he was fantastic. And 21 years later, it's still fantastic. And so I'm just grateful she set the bar low. So then he more than exceeded the expectations that I had in mind. Jesus set the expectations low. He said, y'all are going out like lambs in the midst of wolves. When you think of the the food chain, wolves eat lambs. This is not a flattering, uplifting, build you up type pep talk that Jesus is having with the 72. In addition, he tells them to leave their earthly attachments and possessions behind. There's something significant to this and leaving all of these behind, they have to put their complete trust in God for his provision. Jesus tells them that the mission that he's sending them on, that they're to go to house to house and to pronounce peace on that home, peace be with you. And if there was an openness, then they would know it. If they found a person of peace, they were to go into the home and eat whatever was provided and drink whatever was provided. And then they were to stay in that home. They couldn't be looking out the window to the bigger, nicer house down the street to see if maybe there would be nicer accommodations. Instead, they were to stay where they were. And Jesus told them that if the people received their peace, if they welcomed them into their home, that they were to heal the sick and to pronounce to them in verse number nine that the kingdom of God has come near to them. Verse 10 says, but whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, and James and John, you remember them from earlier, they pipe up and they're like, we call fire down from heaven. Thank you, thank you. You can be here every week. Jesus continued, he says, go into the streets and even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. What a sad thing to witness and a sad thing to have to say. It's so hard to know what Jesus offers and to watch some people reject Jesus altogether. When welcomed and when rejected, their response was the same, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I think one of the important principles that we see about evangelism here in the scripture is that the results are God's. The results are God. We need to be prepared. We need to be prayed up and powered up by the spirit, but we can't force anyone to do anything. Some people don't want a life-changing encounter with Jesus. In moments like these, it stings because we know what's at stake. We know that we were faithful with what God told us to do And the consequence will rest on the one who didn't believe. In Luke chapter 10, verse 16, it says that the one who hears you, hears me. This is Jesus speaking. The one who hears you, hears me. And the one who rejects you, rejects me. And the one who rejects me, rejects the one who sent me. When we face rejection, it's really Jesus that they're rejecting. And Jesus says it's really God the Father that they're rejecting. So Jesus sends out this crew of 72 people and they return. In Luke chapter 10, verse number 17, it records what happens as they come back. These 72 lambs that were sent out to the sheep. It says the 72 rejoined, returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. 
Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. These 72 lambs that went out among wolves returned with joy. When we do what God has asked us to do, joy fills our hearts. When we are walking in step with him, doing what he commands us to do, empowered by his spirit, joy is our reward. It doesn't mean that life will be easy or without trial, but we'll have joy in the midst of it. And in verse number 18, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. One of the commentaries that I read said this, lightning graphically depicts a power of dazzling brilliance that is suddenly snuffed out. Jesus had seen Satan snuffed out by the powerful works of his followers. Jesus had seen Satan snuffed out by the powerful works of his followers. How many of you would like to see Satan fall like lightning? You know, as we're on mission with God, as he has sent us out, empowered us by the spirit, how cool would it be if that was Jesus's testimony of us, of this church as he's sending us out, that in our obedience, that the response would be that Satan doesn't win. He doesn't win in our church. He doesn't win in your family. He doesn't win in our community. He never wins. Jesus wins. He rules and reigns victorious. This crew went out to declare the peace of Christ. And Jesus said to them, your campaign, your mission was successful. He ensured them that Even in the midst of wolves, they would be protected. Serpents and scorpions would not be the death of them. Nothing should hurt them. And as they come back and they report these things, Jesus says to them, that's cool that the demons listened to you, that you were able to cast out the demons and heal the sick and step on snakes and scorpions and not die. But Jesus reminds them of where their true motivation and their joy and excitement should always stem from. In verse 20, he says, don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Our names are written in heaven. And the reason we go and share the good news is so that others' names will also be written in heaven. God calls us to tell people that we like and people that we don't like about him. He calls us to tell people like us and people who are unlike us about him. And he gives us some pretty specific instructions on prayer when he tells us to pray for people who persecute us. If you're praying for someone, it's probably likely that you'll get an opportunity to share Jesus with them at some point. And we're on this mission with him to share his love and forgiveness with everyone. Proverbs chapter 17, verse number 17 says, a friend loves at all times. A friend loves at all times. What could be the most loving thing that we might offer a friend than to welcome them to a relationship with Jesus and to continue to love them even if they never choose to follow Jesus? In Luke chapter 10, these 72 people were ordinary people. They were ordinary people. They weren't famous, they weren't big names, they were just ordinary. In fact, as we read about them today, we read about their mission and what they accomplished. But as we read this passage, there's not a single one of those 72 that are mentioned by name. They're still anonymous. Can I tell you this morning that God is still calling ordinary people to do extraordinary things. 
I love what the president of the Bible college that I went to used to say. He said, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. As we talk about the mission of God, we have been given an invitation to be on mission with him, to demonstrate that the mission of God works through our lives and to declare with our mouths that God's still on mission, restoring people, healing people, drawing people to himself. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. God's extending an invitation, not just for the pastors on this team, but for all of us in this room, for all of us watching online, to share the love of Jesus with others. I'm gonna ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room. Maybe there are some of you who've come in today and you've never responded to the love of God. You've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior. And you say, today, I wanna become a follower of him. Maybe there are others of you who at one time walked with God, but you've turned your back on him and you say, today, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. Just a moment with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, you say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time. Or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two, three, lift them up all across this room. Thank you, I see that hand, you can put it down. Are there others this morning? Let's all stand. There was at least one hand that went up this morning of someone who needs to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or who needs to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. And if you raise your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear heavenly father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. This morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior. Be my king. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart with all of my soul, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. Thank you, God. If you raise your hand this morning, we wanna encourage you in the decision that you've made today. But I ask that you would do one of two things or both of these things, that you would look at the person who invited you or the person on your left and right and just say, hey, that was me. I raised my hand this morning and I became a follower of Jesus and let them encourage you. The second thing is this, we leave time at the end of each of our services for people to receive prayer. In just a moment, the prayer team's gonna make their way to the front of the auditorium and the worship team's gonna lead us in another song. And if you've come here today needing prayer for anything, I'd encourage you to step out of your seat and come forward. In addition, if you raised your hand and you prayed that prayer, I'd invite you to come forward and let somebody pray for you. Pray a prayer of blessing over this new journey that God's gonna take you on. So I'm gonna pray. Prayer team's gonna make their way to the front and the worship team's gonna lead us in another song. God, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, for the, the, 
the wisdom that we see in Luke chapter nine and Luke chapter 10 today. For that group of 72 ordinary people to be sent out and for you to declare that you saw Satan fall like lightning, that their mission was successful. God, I thank you for the mission and the vision that you've given to our church and that you have extended each and every single one of us an invitation to be on mission with you. So God, I pray that we'll be prepared and prayed up and powered up by your spirit that we'll go into our community and around the world and be obedient to what you've asked us to do. God, I pray as this congregation is mobilized this week, Lord, as people who step out in faith for the very first time, invite someone to church, or they share what you've done in their life with someone else, or God, they share the gospel with others. Lord, I pray that this week that there would be a number of celebratory moments where people call or they send an email or a Facebook message and they say, after church, I went here and I did this and I did this and God blessed it and it was amazing. God, we thank you that our names are written in heaven. And Lord, we ask that you would empower us that you would give us strength to keep going until everybody else's names are written in heaven as well. And we'll give you the glory for it in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.